Welcome to the Ridge University Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and discover tools for living. Now here's your host, Ridge Director of Discipleship, Will Heron. Hello, everyone. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for episode two of our three-part series about parents of prodigal children. My name is Doug Applegate. I'm the Director of Family Ministries here at The Ridge, and I'm your host for this podcast. And with me today, I have, again, my special guest and friend, Chris Schlemmer. Chris, again, thanks for jumping into episode two with me. Absolutely. This uh, second episode, Chris, um, I just want to remind everybody that you're living a particular season of life right now. Um, mm-hmm. and you're feeling like God wants you to use what you've been learning uh, and to use your story to help other parents who are living in a similar situation. And this is the fact that you're the parent of a prodigal. So um, everyone, if you remember from our first episode, Chris had gotten together with some other parents of prodigals, and she facilitated a four-week class. And we thought this was an important enough topic to bring it into the podcast world and to give other parents a chance to get a glimpse of some of the things that were talked about in this class. So let's go ahead and jump in today. Today's main focus is what's okay to do as the parent of a prodigal and what's not okay to do if you're the parent of a prodigal. So, Chris, let's just jump into it. Why do you think this is an important topic of conversation for today? Okay. Well, you know, one of the biggest things I think I've learned um, in this season is that parents of prodigals as a group are very hard on themselves. Um, So God has really taught me in this time, you know, it's the importance of being kind to myself and to give myself and um, sometimes more importantly, others, um, a little grace because this journey, it, it is not for the thin-skinned. I've also learned a little bit about what's okay um, to do and what's not okay to do. In our class, um, we spent an entire night on this, just discussing this list. Some of these things are, you know, kind of obvious and easy, but some are really hard. And, you know, it can be really destructive if if you're going the wrong way. So we need to be aware and intentional about our choices. And listeners, what Chris is talking about is a full list of some do's and don'ts that she had that they went through. And we're going to include that list in an attachment today to the podcast in the notes section if you want to check that out. But we're just going to fire through a handful of them, not not nearly all of them. So talk to me about this one. It's okay to set boundaries, but it is not okay to build walls. Sure. Uh, it took me a bit to learn this one. I mean, as parents of prodigals, it's it's kind of a natural instinct to withdraw from community um, when this happens to you because we're not like our other friends and our extended families. Um, it's incredibly painful to be around happy families and people who talk about their kids and their grandkids all the time. So, you know, we have a tendency to withdraw, to avoid the pain. Um, so the rule of it's okay to set boundaries but not build walls um, means that you can give yourself permission without guilt to set some boundaries. Okay, this is one of those instances where I totally understand what you're saying, but to hear an example I think would help other parents um, to understand, okay, what does a boundary look like? So. Can you shoot me an example? Uh, Sure. You know, um, an example would be 
like you're never going to find me serving or even attending um, a Ridge family focused event. I, you know, like the big family carnival day we have or the Christmas event with the family photo ops. And you know what? That's fair. And in my heart of hearts, I think God thinks that's fair. I mean, he knows that hurts. And the last thing he wants for me is to put myself in a situation where I walk out just completely mentally beat down and raw. So setting boundaries like this are okay. And um, I can't, I feel like I can do that. And I think we can give ourselves permission to do that without guilt. And I, I like the idea that you're giving your, yourself permission for that. And boundaries help keep you healthy, which, of course, God mm-hmm. wants you healthy. So that, that seems to make sense. Um, but on the flip side, um, this is that it's not okay to build walls. So what's that? Exactly. I mean, while it might be okay to not serve at a family event, it's not okay to, for me to just not serve and check out. Mm-hmm. I mean— There are tons of places for me to use my gifts and talents and to be a kingdom citizen that don't require me to rip my heart out. Yeah, for sure. So what are some of the places you found that fit your gifts and where you can be filled up still serving? You know, this isn't everybody, but I'm I'm called to be a teacher and an encourager of women. It's one of my gifts. And I'm obedient to that call. So I teach women's Bible study, and I love it. I'm blessed a hundred times more than the ones I teach. I mean, I serve at events like Single Moms Morning Out, where I can love on and encourage women in a different kind of struggle. I mean, I still maintain my friendships. I have coffee and lunch, and, you know, I'm not going to live my life in a bunker. But um, I'm going to do what Scripture says. I'm going to guard my heart. I mean, Boundaries are okay. I mean, they're even recommended, I think. But walls, not so much. Good. I like that. Those are good examples. Um, Yeah, because sometimes I just see people, and not even necessarily parents or prodigals, but just when people are going through a hard time and they just pull away entirely. And we know that's not healthy when they're just pulling away from the body and the community and they're getting nothing. Because sometimes when you're involved in some of the serving stuff you do, like you said, you get so much out of it. You know, that's where, that's how we stay connected to God. So exactly. Yeah, that's good. Okay. We're going to jump to another one. I see one on the list um, that says it is okay to allow joy and happiness and people back in your life versus believing that you have no right to joy anymore. And this one kind of goes with the last one, I would think a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so many of us, I mean, we feel like failures and that if we allow joy in, that we're somehow betraying our son or daughter. But, you know, that's that's a lie of the enemy. I mean, God desires for us to have joy and to have abundant lives. Um, so we've got to let people in. Uh, God wants to use them to bless us and to help us fill some of the void that's left behind from this loss that we have. Um, I mean, they can't replace our son or daughter, but they don't need to. Uh, just because our son or daughter, you know, made some bad choices doesn't, doesn't sentence us to a lifetime of grief and despair. Uh, I mean, we need to give ourselves permission to be around people that make us feel good and that, that can, we can laugh with again. I mean, no one's going to judge you for smiling in this season. I mean, on the contrary, I, there's really no greater testimony of how good God is than letting others see us experience joy in our pain. 
um, because joy is not dependent on our circumstances. I mean, it's a fruit of the Spirit. I mean, it can sometimes be a really long season, and we need laughter and we need joy to get through it. So God wants that for us, and so it's really important to let it in. I like the idea of, I think you had said, how having a smile on your face gets to show people how you are trusting God in this painful season, but you can still have some laughter, some joy, good relationships, things that build you up. Before I get into this other one off the list, let me go here. I just thought of this. So you're showing people that you can have joy because God is still a part of your life. You're following him. He's still filling you up. He's still lifting you up. Do you feel like if somebody sees that, they would say, oh my goodness, I can't believe like Chris is like happy and she doesn't talk to her daughter in like years. Do you ever worry about that? Um, I, I can't say I necessarily worry about it. I think early on when I would, I would be at women's events and I would be serving and I would be visiting with people and, and they would, some of them would just say, Chris, I don't even know how you do this. I don't even know how, how, how do you get up and breathe in and out and, and walk around all day? And I said, because God is good. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and this isn't in my strength. This isn't his. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I I think that they see me happy and joyful, but many of them have also seen me not so joyful. Right. So, so, they, so some people do see. I mean, you can't put on a big mask. Right. And be like, oh, I'm so happy all yeah, the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, a part of what God's taught me in this, and we'll probably talk about this later at some point, is you know that I have learned that God can heal anything, absolutely anything. And so, you know, if I'm out there loving on people, then and I get hurt doing it, then He's going to heal it. I mean, yeah. I just it's just something I I I have learned by walking with Him. It sounds like people who know your story, they've seen your pain. Oh, and yeah. for them to see your joy, I think, like you said, it's a testament to God's work in you and his strength. And then for people who don't know your story, some like if somebody new came into your life and they'd be like, oh, my goodness, Chris like has such a good you know outlook on life and she's following God and things are great. But then they later maybe hear about your story, mm-hmm. then they'd probably have the same view of, oh, my goodness, how are you getting through this? And that's where you get to testify that God is good Yeah, in I the mean, middle of pain. You know, yeah. sometimes you... The pain is where the testimony comes from. Yeah. And when people see you still continuing, you know, and authentically continuing. I'm not, you know, I could strap on this mask and be fake all day long. But, you know, most of the people that I have around me, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable in front of. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm crying during worship because I'm, I'm begging God to restore a little sooner than yeah. than yeah. he has he has in his plan then then people see that and they and they get it you know but they yeah. also see me laugh yeah that's so good okay um we're just going to take sharp right turns and jump into another one so okay, okay. Let's, let's do another one here this one's interesting and a little hard to explain so let me let me try and get it out then you can clarify all right um it's okay to not miss Whatever it is. So here it says, um, you have examples of, uh, it's okay to not miss the fighting or the drama or the verbal abuse or the tension. But then it is not okay to romanticize or sugarcoat the ugly as though it never happened. I don't know how well I did it at describing that one. Please. That's okay. Jump in. <laughs> here, let me take that. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is the place that the enemy really wants us to feel guilt and flip the script on self-talk. I mean, in my situation, there was, uh, you know, there's a lot of hostility towards us as parents in our house. You know, tensions were always high, and you were always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, I mean, it was exhausting and beyond stressful, and it was hard on everybody involved. It was hard on the marriage, but... Once she was gone and the atmosphere was clear, along came this guilt for feeling relief that all the stress was gone. So you're feeling bad for feeling relieved. Right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Right. You know, and you find yourself buying into that lie. You know, you're, you're like, oh, you know, it wasn't that bad. You know, I'm sure we just overreacted or, you know, I'd be happy to go back to that if we could just have her back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you feel guilty because you're not getting the verbal beat down every day and you think you're supposed to want it back. Um, but that is a lie. And, you know, it's okay to not miss that and to actually enjoy some peace in your home again. It's it's okay to feel some relief for not always walking on eggshells and the time when you wonder where the phone's going to ring and the next crisis is going to fall out of the sky. Um, We have to cut ourselves some slack, you know? I mean, and just because we don't miss that, it doesn't mean we don't miss them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's okay to miss them and we should miss them. I mean, no matter what situation, I don't care what, what your prodigal situation is, even um, there was always some, there was always some good times, even though there were terrible times. I mean, you knew, you knew my daughter, Doug. I mean, she was in, in your youth group for years and, and um, I mean, she could be absolutely delightful. I mean, she's smart. She's funny. She's talented. I mean, she, she can be so kind. And I mean, that girl loves her some Jesus. (laughs) Yep. I mean, I miss those things about her every single day, and and I love her to death. There's nothing more than I want in restoration for my family. But the fighting and the drama and the tension, I don't miss that. And that's okay to not feel guilty about that. I was going to bring that up as I was hearing you talk. You said that just a, a couple, just a minute ago. Is it's okay to enjoy the peace that might be in your home now, even okay. though there's still some, of course, sadness. But without the drama, there, that's okay. Enjoy that. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Another hard right turn. We got okay, maybe one or two more go. of these. This is some good stuff. Okay. Um, This is a tough one, but I think it kind of makes sense, but I think it's hard to do. It's okay to accept that you cannot change them. Only God can. Versus it's not okay to try and to fix or control the situation, especially by pulling others in or demanding an audience. So, Yeah, agreed. I mean, and this was a hot topic in our class, so um, we probably won't get it all covered, but... Um, there was also another one um, that it's okay to release responsibility for them to God versus it's not okay to continue taking responsibility for another adult's choices or consequences. And so for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of bundle these together. Yep. Um, these are both, 
I mean, really hard, but could be really destructive. Um, but I mean, these are our kids, um, but they are also full grown adults with full grown decisions and consequences that, I mean, we can't control anymore. Yeah. I mean, we probably couldn't control them as teenagers. So, uh, controlling them as adults is, is, uh, you know, ludicrous. Right. So as we talk about this in our class, I mean, I mean, we had the cold gambit. I mean, no one in that class had a picture-perfect Christian family, and yet we all were Christ followers, and we all did our best to bring our kids up that way. And as parents, we want to fix. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to make the road easier for them. We were willing to sacrifice ourselves, our comforts, you know, our lives just, just to get them bailed out. And it's our knee-jerk reaction. Um, But what we got to do is we got to go back to the Word. And we got to ask, what did God do? And then we got to do that. In our class, I mean, we disagreed on this some. And, you know, that's kind of nice to have a class of people to talk about with um, these things. So, um, you know, what degree do you help? And then what degree do you let them fall on their face? Um, It's... Hard And there's probably no one-size-fits-all answer, but, um, you know, what we could agree on is that at some point we, the parents, can't change them. Only God can. So um, at some point you have to be okay with letting go and letting God. You have to, you know, put it in the something-for-Jesus-to-do box and leave it there for him to do in his way, in his time. And I tell you, no one likes that answer. But once you accept it, it's pretty freeing that it's not on you to do it, mm-hmm. that God's in control. You know, we just said this before, God loves them more than you do. I mean, God knows what to do and how to do it, and we don't. I mean, God has access to means that we don't. So, you know, let him. Let him do it. Yeah. I was just talking with a parent the other day, and uh, she was talking about when to let her adult child feel the consequences. And she's relating it back to when he's younger. And she said, I'm okay if he's going to touch the hot stove. I want him to learn that. I'm not going to let him run out into the street and get hit by a car. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to fix that situation, you know, but then finding, all right, everything in between, you know, at what point do you step back and let them experience that consequence? And when, when do you feel like you need to step in? That's It's really, it's really hard yeah. because they're, Adults. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's a different story when you're talking about a 12 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Or even a 17 year old. Yeah. But when they're 40, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I think what gets hard nowadays is with the adolescent period of life being extended, according to some people I've heard, mm-hmm. you know, that can go into your kind of 20s. So, yeah, when do you step in for your child at that? something that's happening in their 19 or 22 is that an adult uh, yeah, 26 yeah and you now know. they're 32 and then <laughs> then what you yeah. know i mean at what point at what point do you finally go okay i yeah. did i did my job yeah yeah exactly it also makes me think if i had some trusted people in my life that i could go to who know my situation and and say all right my son or daughter is doing this do i step in now should I or shouldn't I? And some people that you really trust that could say, oh, that's one of those where, you know, they might say me, Doug, that's, I know you want to step in, but if you're trusting me as someone who loves you as a 
their parent and you as a person, I, you need to back off on this one. I wonder if that would be helpful or not. I'm not sure, but I, I yeah, I think surrounding ourselves with uh, good counsel is, yeah, and good right? Christian counsel is always important. I yeah. think where you might start to cross the line is where you say, "Oh, well, you know my son. Why don't you go talk to him?" Yeah. Well, that, that gets in earlier. You talked about not dragging other people you, into you it. You can't. You can't start dragging other people yeah. in here. I mean. Because you're still trying to fix it, right? At right. that point, it, you're, you're just using somebody else. To, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've just hit a couple, a few things on that list, and it sounds like you have learned a lot in this season that you're going through um, about submission. Fair statement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this season of life has taught me a lot of things, and you know, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible uh, is Daniel and. Within that, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they get thrown in that fiery furnace. Um, I mean, they resolve to be true to God, and um, for that, they get thrown in the fire. And I think as parents of prodigals, we can super relate to that story. Yet, um, probably the best part of that story to me, other than the fourth man in the fire, is that they go into the fire bound, and they come out unbound. Um, and they come out with no smell of fire on them. And they come out free of chains that bind them. They come out better and not bitter. So one of the things on the list that we're talking about today says it's okay to let the fire do its job um, versus it's not okay to refuse to be changed. Um, in this season, we got to let God make those changes in us that make us look more like Jesus. And we have to let the fire do its job. So it sounds like you have lost some binding in the fire that you've been through. Um, how else has it changed you in this season? Um, well, I mean, we've talked about the submission. I, I used to be very controlling, um, but that's exhausting. And um, yoking myself to Jesus, uh, trusting his way, not mine, relying on his strength when I don't have any, um, it's been really freeing. And, and I've learned to be more obedient um, for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, my ways don't really go so well, but his do. And he's never wrong, but I am frequently wrong. Um, I've learned to seek his way through the word, through prayer, and um, we talked about this before. There's really no pain that he's not willing to heal. I've probably learned to be a little kinder. I've probably learned to extend a little more grace because he's just been so kind and gentle with me. Yeah. So even though this is, I mean, for me to say this has been a terrible thing, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it those words terrible. are as, as meaningful as they should be. Um, but it is terrible that what's happened to your family. You've decided to let the fire do its job and to let it change you. Yeah, and I mean, if the fire is changing me, I, I have to assume it's changing my daughter as well. I mean, I'm not sure she's being as receptive to it, um, but she might be, and and I have to hope that she is. I mean, our God is a God of restoration. It's always His long-term plan. I mean, no matter where you go in Scripture, you see it's always the goal to restore, Um David says this in Psalm 27, 
um, when he's being relentlessly pursued by Paul and everyone wants him dead. He says, I would have despaired if I would have not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It says he would have despaired and he had good reason to, but he didn't. So, so how didn't he? Well, he believes something. He believes that he would see the goodness of the Lord, and not in heaven, not later, but now, uh, in the land of the living. That means a shift in perspective. That has probably been the biggest thing that I've been taught in all of this is kingdom perspective. But that's a really big topic. Yeah, and actually that's what we're going to jump into for our uh, next and last episode, number three. And to me, it kind of sounds like this idea that instead of just focusing on you and your daughter and that specific relationship, you're going to start looking at a whole bunch of other stuff that's happening in the world um, for you to help get uh, and to gain a more kingdom perspective. Chris, again, thanks so much for your time today and being willing to share your story. Absolutely. Uh, Again, very grateful for you to go where I know it's draining for you. Um, And for those of you who are listening, thank you for hanging with us for a little bit. If you haven't already, be sure to check out some of the links that we have in the show notes uh, and some of the other resources that Chris and the other parents have shared and talked about in their class. Remember, we have one more episode with Chris, uh, again, dealing specifically with a kingdom perspective. Thank you very much. And hopefully we will see you at episode three. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you are interested in finding ways to live out your faith, why not head to our church website, ridgelife.org. There, you'll find opportunities to serve in the church and in our local community. You'll also discover ways to get involved in community groups. One of the best ways to find support and encouragement as you seek to live out what you're learning from the Bible. Head to ridgelife.org for more details.